Hello and welcome to CSM Toolbox. Every month, leaders of their industry share with us their experiences and insights. I had the opportunity to talk to Ashley Porcincula, CEO and co-founder of Orbital. She has over 15 years of experience as a freelance startup consultant and product leader for B2C and B2B clients, ranging from tech startups and bootstrap ventures to Fortune 500 corporations. With Orbital, you can customize your virtual office, feel connected like you were in the same room, and experience a more natural remote communication. She'll be telling us more about it and her journey next. Join me and let's open that toolbox. Because it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. It takes a long time to get where we're going. And if we just continually push ourselves past the point, either physically or mentally, because we're working too many hours, or we're putting too much pressure on ourselves, or we're not forgiving ourselves for just being human, then that marathon becomes a lot harder. Hi, Ashley. Thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? Isabel, I'm fine. Thanks. Thank you so much for having me. That's great to hear. And yeah, just kicking things off here. If you could please give a quick introduction about yourself to our listeners. Happy to. So I'm Ashley. My background is in product and development management, mainly on a consultant basis for early startups. And I'm now the co-founder and CEO of Orbital. We provide fun and interactive audio spaces for teams and communities. I'm sure you'll, you have heard this before. Since last year, I think that need of collaboration, connecting with teams, with remote teams, it's great that we have a solution basically as, as Orbital. So in following that, what problem is Orbital trying to solve, Ashley? Well, you're exactly right. And, you know, we launched Orbital in late 2020 after we experienced a huge change in team dynamics, just like everybody else. And we saw this on our own teams. We saw it as a pattern across colleagues and clients. We all started working from home during the pandemic. All of a sudden, communication meant rummaging to join, to find the right join link, awkward boxes on a screen, getting sort of unceremoniously kicked from video calls as soon as the host left passing screen share back and forth, etc. And it was just a complete nightmare. And we weren't the only ones that were feeling that way. You know, almost a billion unproductive hours were wasted in the first six months of the pan pandemic alone, with 54% of workers experiencing some kind of adverse physical and mental effect due to that increased cognitive load and video call burnout. So, you know, Zoom and Teams were out there, they were doing their part to try to help, and they were fine as a stopgap, but they came up short for true collaborative work. And it's that feeling of truly working together that was lost. And so we are building Orbital in order to help teams get it back. Building together as a team. So even just from that uh, perspective, what has been the biggest lessons learned for you and your team in building that uh, remote team? Yeah. So trust, communication and structure, those sort of three core things are so vital to any team. And this is even more true when we're working remotely. Remote work provides so many wonderful benefits, but poor communication practices and lack of organizational support can pose a real threat if companies can't make it. So, you know, over the course of building Orbital, we've worked with countless remote teams while building this. And we found that the ones 
that really thrive actually have three things in common. So first, they provide deep psychological safety. So colleagues trust each other. They feel trusted. They know that they can take risks and that they'll be supported by management. And everybody feels welcome to speak up and they feel confident that they'll be heard. Second, they have structure. So recurring meetings have a purpose and an agenda. The one-to-ones are top priority for management. Everybody knows if we're having a meeting, it's because this meeting needs to be had. And then finally, they break the fourth wall, as it were. So in this context, this means providing, for example, budget for home offices, sending like vouchers for food delivery or care packages. You know, we never existed in a vacuum of the office. And so now we certainly don't exist in a vacuum of remote collaboration tools. Entire whole human beings work for us. And so they need to be thought of that way. And I think even to your um, initial point around that trust and how maybe the meetings that you're actually going to have with your team are thought out, are planned out, you know, already you're going with that purpose versus before. Maybe we might be still missing some of that office banter uh, per se, but I think as, as well, maybe we have gained that thoughtfulness of, well, I'll schedule a meeting with Ashley, but I'll, I'll have this purpose to do so. Perhaps we have maybe shifted into that mindset or to that direction as well. Absolutely. And there is definitely, you know, a way that we can find that allows us to have that collaboration, have that structured communication, but also, you know, communicate in little bits and, and form real connections with the colleagues that we're working with, even if we're not actually in the same room. Yeah, for sure. And even as uh, with your um, introduction as well, as a CEO and co-founder, what skills do you think are essential, not only to to survive, but to thrive as a, in, in your role? Such a good question. I love that because thriving and surviving are not the same thing. And, you know, in startups, it's a common pipeline, obviously, to, you know, make the transition from an individual contributor or a team manager to founder. And so the challenges are really unique there because you're in an entirely different environment and the way that you're measuring yourself is completely different. So it makes it really important to know your own limits and know your needs. And so if I had to pick one thing, it would be just to cut yourself some slack, really. The hustle, as it were, is important, but it's up to us to set our boundaries, both internally and externally. So internal boundaries are like the things that we do when no one is looking. So it might be in our nature to never want to drop a ball, but that's just not going to happen because it's not possible. So we have to give ourselves permission to strategically drop the right ones, not to overthink it. Like the details matter, but in the end, most things are usually just fine. And then external boundaries are equally as important because they are where we set the example for the other people who are making up our company culture. So for example, if we're working every weekend, then they will inevitably feel obligated to eventually. If we're pushing past the point of what's healthy, then we're modeling that for those that are looking on. Healthy startups are run by healthy people. And so well-being is just as important a KPI as any other. Yeah. And even that concept as well of internal and external boundaries, I think that's that's quite powerful to hear because even just in conversation with other CEOs and co-founders as well, I think it's that or that reflection of obviously if they will see burnouts 
from your side, from your team, your, your closest team, they perhaps the expectation from the individual contributor will be, well, that's what I'm seeing. So maybe it is expected of me to do the same. That's quite powerful what you said there, those boundaries for sure. Absolutely. And, you know, witnessing burnout in a founder is going to make them think one of two things. They're going to think either she's working that hard and therefore I have to push myself to that same point or, oh, no, she's burning out. Is this company at risk? And we really don't want either one of those. We want everybody equally to feel that what we're doing is sustainable because it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. It takes a long time to get where we're going. And if we just continually push ourselves past the point, either physically or mentally, because we're working too many hours, or we're putting too much pressure on ourselves, or we're not forgiving ourselves for just being human, then that marathon becomes a lot harder. Yeah, absolutely. Just uh, shifting gears a, a bit, uh, Ashley, what have you learned from your customers so far? So much. So, so by far, <laughs> the common, the most common positive feedback that we get is about our customer service. So we knew from the start that speaking to customers is the only way that we're going to build something that they actually want and therefore something that they'll actually buy. So we've always had, you know, live chat on the website. We email them directly multiple times through their onboarding experience. Um, even now, a year into this, most of our users still know us by name. And we get so much positive feedback from this. You know, it was probably a couple times a week that I get a response from someone saying, oh, well, I can't believe a real person actually responded to me. And that's where we get you know, the best conversations and the best feedback. And then the other thing that stands out is that people are incentivized to give feedback by different things. So actually, we ask for feedback seven times during the onboarding process in different ways. And sometimes we ask for it directly via survey. And then a few weeks later, we might ask a quick question by email or have a pop up in the app. And we've even run monetary incentives to get their honest input on how we can make the product better. So, you know, feedback and learning from our customers, as you say, it's it's not an event, it's a relationship. And it's something that continuously happens because obviously their experience within the first 30 minutes, the first 30 days and the first year, it's going to completely change in their circumstances around that. And the more ways that we have to open ourselves up to that. And, you know, again, the more free that they feel to to be candid with us, you know, then the better response we're going to get. Yeah. And in a way, you want those early adopters that are, well, as, as we're discussing now, they are giving you that feedback and you want, I think it's from the very start, you will want them to either tell you what's working because that will equate to iterations and see what maybe the product team, your team will actually need to perhaps take in consideration and actually put into action. Absolutely. It's, it's about picking your poison, right? It's about <laughs> bringing everybody together and making everyone feel that You know, you're not just using our app. I mean, if you want to come along and just use our app, that's fine. But you also have the ability to build it with us. And you also have the ability to steer where it goes. And it, it really, you know, when you open yourself up that way, it really makes you feel like you're not just working with the team that is actually on the payroll, that you're working with actually thousands of people who are trying to help you build the best thing you can. Yeah, and I think that that's 
great for sure when it comes to a startup environment. Obviously, there are so many challenges, but at the same time, so many opportunities that I have witnessed myself where you can still bring in and and just thinking from the customer success side here that you can actually bring someone from products in particular to a customer call. And I have seen that the customer, it's, they appreciate not only that their feedback is being heard, but that they know someone for the product team and, and they will know, they will be conscious of, okay, this, this person actually wants to listen to me. There might be some changes. It's not necessarily that the PM, the product manager will actually take on board everything if it's not possible. But I think it's just that interaction from the customer side that they, they are appreciative that sort of meeting happens. Absolutely. People don't open up to brands. They open up to other people. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, as well, something that I noticed from your profile, Ashley, I, I was actually, uh, as a mentee, um, I signed up to Growth Mentor a few months ago, and I know that you were a, a mentor there. So from your profile, I noticed that quotes that you wrote there about creating, that you love creating high-performing products, happy teams, and healthy humans. And definitely from your statements and uh, from the questions that I have asked, definitely I can see that. With your experience as a product leader, as a UX designer, what would you look for in a mentor yourself? Thank you so much for saying that about that quote. Yeah, it's that's been with me for a while. And it's so true. I mean, I think that those three things really go hand in hand. You know, the, the best products are built by the best teams and the best teams are made up by the people who are the happiest. And honestly, you know, I'm in love with every one of my mentors and advisors. I think I, you know, every time I speak to a new mentor, I get off the call and I'll run to my partner and be like, I love this person. You know, having people to bounce things off of and vent to and ask for tough feedback has been instrumental to us along the way. When you're looking for a mentor, you you really want to find someone who you think truly gets what you're trying to accomplish and wants you to succeed. So not just, you know, looking at, okay, does this person actually have the experience that I need, but also, you know, making sure that they really understand the problem that you're trying to solve. As with anything, you don't want just one viewpoint though. So surrounding yourself with multiple mentors from different walks of life, career experiences, etc., and um, is where you can start to really piece together what you want to take away from their advice. Because if you're only working with, you know, one or two mentors, it can become quite tempting to just be like, okay, whatever, whatever advice they gave me, that's the advice that I need to take and, and sort of fall into that trap. But ultimately, it's up to you to piece together and say, actually, I think I'm going to take this piece, I'm going to ignore this other piece, and we're going to bring that forward into into something that's actionable. Yeah. Yeah, and I think even I have done similar myself where it is perhaps even looking for a mentor or maybe it is more of a sounding board or you can actually even just build that um, relationship as well with that mentor. So just uh, from that point of view, what advice would you give to a potential mentee in order for them to build a relationship with a mentor? Great question, because it's really important to look at it from both sides. As a mentee, you want to check in regularly, even if you don't have an ask from them. So like I said before, feedback is a relationship. It's not an event. So keeping those lines of communication open and making a real friendship is ultimately your goal. Um, you also really want to be candid, open and honest. So your mentors want you to succeed. They don't want to just see the photoshopped Instagram version of things. It can be scary to be that candid when 
things aren't going right, which they won't always. And, you know, but it's, it's just so important to remember. And I absolutely promise that growth requires challenges and failures along the way. And your mentors know this. The whole point of being a mentor is that they've been there, done that. They've had their own challenges. They've had those moments where they thought, oh God, maybe I'm just completely not cut out for this. And I just need to quit everything and leave tech entirely. And they will know how to help you through that. And they want you to share all of that with them so that they can help you through it. Yeah, no, absolutely. That That's great advice for sure for any mentees that uh, are listening to us and are looking for that uh, mentorship relationship. And just one last question, Ashley, that I that I would like to know, other than Orbital, obviously, what's in your toolbox? What mobile or web app you cannot live without? Another excellent question. So we are actually pretty thoroughly documented on StackShare. My co-founder, Tom, is amazing when it comes to that stuff. And so basically our full tech and operations stack is on there. If anybody is interested in looking it up, we are real low-code automation nerds as well. So, you know, the <laughs> WordPress type forms app air stack, huge. We use it for everything from piloting new programs to marketing systems, competitor alerts, things like that. We were actually a bit late as a company to the Notion bandwagon, but it's definitely mm -hmm. a must-have now. We are we're converted. All of our documentation and playbooks are in that. We recently discovered, uh, literally just about four or five days ago, something called Shoutout.so, which lets you create this like gorgeous wall of quotes from users across platforms. So Twitter, mm -hmm. Product Hunt. Facebook, LinkedIn, all of this. And it's just completely blown our minds. It's super cool. And you can see it right there on the homepage of our website at orbital.chat. Just basically a load of nice things that people have said about the app. And it just adds, you know, a bit of social proof to the website. Personally, so I kind of like try to keep my off hours as offline as possible. And my partner will laugh at that. He'll be like, no, you don't. But I genuinely do. And so I don't know about personally, but honestly, I mean, I kind of have to admit that I couldn't do without Uber Eats or food stuffs, which is a local delivery yeah. that is here in Bristol. And I think that they will go far. So I recommend checking them out if you're local. Cool. Now, those are definitely great apps as well. And if people will want to reach out, what will be the best way for them to do that, Ashley? So you can get a hold of us through live chat at any point at orbital.chat or on Twitter at orbitalchat. Okay, sounds great. I will add that in the show notes. So it was a pleasure, uh, Ashley, so many insights. And yeah, uh, I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much, Isabel. This podcast was edited by Aerolitus Smart Edition.